Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What do we make of the Philadelphia Flyers post-Claude Giroux era? What's going on? How is the team looking? Let's talk about it all right now this is the orange and back check podcast with bill kornfeld and scott weinhardt it is episode 110 of orange and back check so glad you are with us make sure you are following us everywhere at o back check at orange and back check podcast on instagram uh a guy that is still trying to recover from the pandemic scott weinhardt what's going on brother Listen, and this is going to be the most pandemic conversation we're going to have here. I I have a question. This is we're coming up on baseball season. What is the better baseball movie, Sandlot or Rookie of the Year? Oh my God, Rookie of the Year is a terrible movie. Sandlot. Oh my God, that, I listen. Th- th- you, I don't know why you thought it, it, it. You, this was not planned. Rookie of the Year is one of the most absurdly dumb movies. I mean, look. All sports movies when it involves kids is generally dumb. Like, let's be honest, yeah. roping in D2. Come on, like roping. The yeah. dude, that was absurd. It, yeah. Rookie of the year's basis that a kid, like, what did he do? Break his elbow or something? He broke his arm and the tendons fused with the humerus. Like, no, this is this is stupid. And then at the end of the movie, spoiler warning, if you haven't watched the 1995 classic or whatever it is. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, He loses that tension in the last game of the regular season against the New York Yankees, who, of course, are the villains in this movie. The Mets, actually. What? The Mets, actually. Was it the Mets? Okay. the Mets. So then the mom, like, he finds his mom in the crowd and goes, Float it, son. Mm-hmm. Float it. As if that wouldn't be destroyed by a guy in the major leagues. It was an absurdly dumb movie. No. Give me the Sandlot. It is a classic. Uh, you don't need to talk about Sandlot 2. Sandlot. Mm-hmm. Best movie. Baseball movie out there. Listen, I think Sandlot is an excellent movie. It's one of the best baseball movies that there is. Overall, be honest. But Rookie of the Year is extremely underrated. Uh, it is, no, it's not. It, dude, some of the lines in it are absolutely incredible. It was directed by Daniel Stern. It has that type of humor. So if you like that Home Alone type humor, yep, it's in it. Like the lines, some of those lines in that movie are just absolutely hilarious. And I watched this last night. And I, I, I Here I am at 36 years old and I'm still here like laughing, cracking up, especially with the scene where the kid's sneezing in the outfield and the coach is going, you moron. Like, it's absolutely, like, hilarious. Some of the lines that are great. And I just think that, yeah, Sandlot is a much better movie overall. 
but Rookie of the Year is one of the most underrated baseball movies ever. And I think we could all agree the worst baseball movie ever made, and it's not even close, was Little Big League. There's nothing even close yes. to that. There was yeah. nothing close. But Rookie of the Year, absolutely hilarious. Henry Rowan Gardner, excellent pitcher. He has the have to. Oh my God! Uh, what? What? Who? I, <laughs> There's I, your I, pandemic conversation. Yeah, I, I don't even know where to go it. with that. Like, I like so the Flyers are now post Claude Giroux. There's uh, and honestly, they've looked decent. I mean, they got shellacked in Colorado the other night, uh, six to three. But they had a nice win against the Blues. That are, I mean, the Blues are free falling in all signs that I've watched. So, but this team. I looked at it as a team that is finally feels the weight of the pressure of what's happening to their captain. Well, I don't know if it's pressure, but like the distraction, I guess you could call it, of a guy that you know is going to be traded in Claude Giroux because he's your greatest asset and greatest uh, pending free agent at the time. So you got to get rid of him, and that causes a distraction in the locker room to some extent, whether they want to accept it or not. Um, But ever since... I thought guys that have been dead in the water, guys that you would say, you know, I think we can live without them. I think you try and trade them uh, in the offseason. Travis Konechny already has, I think, two or three goals on the year. He had two in uh, in the night against St. Louis. Um, and obviously, Kevin Hayes is clearly returned from injury that was finally uh, addressed in the blood infection. So it's an interesting, because um, look, this season is a disaster, and it, it's tough to watch, obviously. But if you're looking for something to look for, look for the young guys that are stepping up in the Travis Konechny's and the Cam Yorks, while also looking at the veterans like Travis or uh, that like the veterans like Kevin Hayes that are like getting back to if if the Flyers can be- get 2019 2020 Kevin Hayes back, that is a huge huge uh, leap forward for the state of the franchise. I agree because now you're starting to team seem the team play better for you're looking at it systemically. You look at one thing. They have a top center back. Like yeah. would you like we, I, I've said it a million times on this show. It, it should be grounded to everybody's head who listens to this at this this podcast is that you need two good centers in the National Hockey League to compete for a Stanley Cup. You need two good centers to just be good in the NHL. And the Flyers had zero for an extended period of time without Sean Couturier, without Kevin Hayes. You can't win with and just Patrick one. Bound and Joel Farabee. They at yeah. one point had no, none of their top four centermen. Correct. Yeah, and and that's and that's a problem when you you don't have guys to play the middle and play that full two hundred foot game and be your play driver, be the most skilled players on your team. That's a problem. And it makes everybody else look around bad because you're asking them to do more, and it's not. It doesn't work. It just doesn't. There's no cohesiveness. You need there's a center for a reason. Yep. I think this team is playing better on the ice because they have a guy like Kevin Hayes back, a guy a veteran who's coming in here. And regardless of what's going on, they're playing and he's coming in here and, and he's, he has played very well. And I think that he's picked up the game around other people by just, you know, being that anchor in the lineup. Like, is Kevin Hayes a full-time first-line center in the National Hockey League? No, he's not. He's really a second, maybe a fringe third guy on most teams. Yeah. But we, we talked about how they did overpay him, but they needed a guy like Kevin Hayes correct. to be to shore up that lineup back in correct. 1920. And it worked correct back then. And now you've got really, I mean, let's be honest, when, when, when the Flyers are healthy, they have really good centermen. They have Sean Couturier. They have Kevin Hayes and Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton can fill up in the second line center role. 
He's sure. that skilled. But he he on the third line role, he he actually plays better because he's getting better matchups. So I look at this and saying the reason why they're playing better now is because they do have a bit of um, you know, they've won, they've they've gone they're the last six games, they've won three of them. So they've gone, they've gone five hundred in the last three six games, which it, it's not terrible for a team like this. No, you're I, looking for small silver linings, and that's right. <laughs> when they're going 500 right. when they're un, they're been under 500 all season. Well, and even small so, victories. not only that too. If, if they didn't lose ten games in a row twice this season, twice, yeah, and they played more like this, they would still be right there in the race, even despite everything going on. And you still have, and you would probably still have Claude Giroux on the team. You wouldn't be Possibly. doing a shell surf uh, a surf um, a fire sale for this team that's, right. that's going to be happening. Cause you, are, you obviously, we didn't talk about the Broussard trade or the, uh, the, the Justin Braun trade uh, going to Edmonton and New York respectively for again, draft picks in 2023. So th- there's a, there's a notion here. I think that like now that Claude's gone, the season's gone and it's been gone, but there's a lot of stuff you can still look for that we're talking about. Uh, leading up into those last couple of games here because thankfully this this season's almost over because it's been torture it's been it's been tough it's been tough to watch again but here's i would look at it this way i think this this team has actually improved in the last two weeks immensely Mm -hmm. and and really i have i've only played well colorado this is going to sound ridiculous if it weren't for that first period they would have beaten them Carter Hart didn't have not have a good game against Colorado. So he and Martin Jones played very strong against St. Louis. St. Louis, you're right, hasn't played well lately. They've lost quite a few games as of late. Um, but with Carter against against one of the top teams, you know, three goals came from the point that can't happen. That just ejects your team, regardless of deflections, anything along those lines. Yeah, I think that if you look at this team, you see the difference between a top tier team and the Flyers. Of the top tier team, look how fast the Colorado was not just skating, but look how fast their puck movement was. Yeah. And I think people think of the Flyers as their speed be not being there. It's just foot speed. It's not all about just the foot speed. It's about the puck movement. Flyers are too stationary with their puck movement or try to make two, one too many passes. Colorado is crisp, clean, getting that puck moving, getting guys out of position, pulling. It's like watching the Soviet red team from the 1980s. And 1970s, they, they, they just they're they're finding open ice and guys with open ice, getting the puck there and getting shots on that as quickly as possible. That's it's similar. It, 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 a good comparison would honestly be when the Eagles were looking for they they realized how slow their wide receivers were, so they just said, "All we need is speed, 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 mm-hmm. speed. Get the mm-hmm. speed guy to be your wide receiver." Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh wait, they also have to be able to catch the ball, right? So not just your speed guys in hockey can can have to be. Um, quick on the quick on their feet like you're saying the puck movement is the most important getting it out of the zone getting it out of your own zone and yep. springing the next guy and that's why i think owen tippett you're seeing the speed on owen tippett Correct. immensely right away right and even in his first game you saw uh because he almost had that goal i don't think he doesn't have he a hit goal the post he, he hit, hit the post, post but he doesn't yeah. have a goal yet for the team ever no. since he, okay so uh, like this is one of those things where you immediately see where the Flyers from. Uh, I mean, it, it remains to be seen for Chuck Fletcher, but I think it's a little wonky. But certainly with Ron Hextall and, and earlier with Paul Holmgren, you're seeing like what the difference is on how many misses they've had 
in the draft mm-hmm. for, for the most part. I mean, Morgan Frost remains to be seen. I don't think he looks good because they're trying to force a peg in a round hole mm-hmm. uh, with this guy. It's one of those things. But like you'll staying on Owen Tippett, you immediately saw the 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 skills he has as a forward man or as a as a winger, and you can build something off of this. It's not. Look, I said it last week. I'm not that excited about him because he's a another project that you're trying to get right. But I mean, he's looked he looks like a guy that just needed to change his scenery outside of Florida. And if that's the case, then you completely might be able to win back the fans that hated this trade uh, pretty easily because Owen Tippett looks really good early on for this year. Yeah. And he had a couple moves against in his first game where you, you really see him cut to the outside and, and ha- take that next step. And pairing him with a good center is really going to be good. And that's what's critical. Like, and we're going to put later on this week, we'll kind of break down his skill set. But you're not going to get the full evaluation out of Owen Tippett until after the season because you got to see how it looks under a new coach. Yep. And, and look, let's be honest, and that's to be a separate conversation. It could be Mike Yo, very possibly could be. Yeah, um, I, I, I think-, think we'll get more of an idea of what Chuck Fletcher wants to go in because he said it in the he said it weeks ago, um, I think after the first or maybe a few days, it was it was during one of his midseason press conferences where it was complete disaster. You knew how bad this team was going. Uh, and he said he's not focused on what's going to happen with the with the right. coaching until in the offseason. Correct. Correct. So certainly a discussion that we'll have come the offseason correct <laughs> which is not yeah. that far away no it's not i mean it's something <laughs> to keep in mind is that something is mike is mike Yo the right coach to lead this team forward and develop these players because when you talk about owen tippett well we're gonna break kind of break him down a little bit to speak we've seen we've seen a small sample size four games he's gotten assists he's minus three everything so far we've seen as far as his speed his shot um be able to get the puck to the net the net first mentality Minus three still needs to improve on his defensive side of the game. Minus three, but like at the same time, you're talking about a team that is so in the gutter. Like you take the plus minus stat for this team for this Correct. particular season with a very big Correct. grain of salt. And then also, too, like they're short of sentiment. So that's got a huge yep. impact on it because you don't have anybody to play that 200 foot game consistently. And that's what I'm saying is that you want, we want to take a look at his skill set and see what he does. But I think the real big question for Owen Tippett is going to be this offseason. How is he going to be able he, – now, he doesn't have to worry about cracking the Florida lineup anymore. Right. He's, he's, he's got a spot here, but how is he going to get better? Is this going to be more of an arc where it takes him longer? Is he going to be more like a Scott Hartnell-type player where it took him a little while to kind of get acclimated and get going? Or is he going to be a guy who comes in next season, finds chemistry with either Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, with Morgan Frost pivots this bat, bat, back to center full-time, uh, Scott Lawton. Where is his value going to be? It also is going to be also in the roster as well, because is he going, is, is JVR going to be here? All these questions are going to come up and that'll really affect how he goes. But I, and people should really know that th- this is, this is the player that they have kind of missed the line, the lineup guy with speed, with a shot first mentality, a Cam Atkinson type player. So I look at this and say, there is good potential here. Um, as this team moves forward, I've seen improvement from this team. I've seen that they played better. They they could have had a chance against Colorado on that, and they know what they need to do. And now you know the difference between being a with an elite team like Colorado with that real world speed, that foot speed, and the puck movement speed, and then a team like the Flyers who still sticks to that north south game. And while they can grind games out, what wins in this league is the speed. And and you look at teams like who are the fastest teams. You have Carolina, you have Florida, Tampa. Colorado 
those teams who have a lot of speed built into the roster not and, and be able to move the puck around as freely as they do, that's why they're so good is because they can do that. Now, I, I question if that's a playoff, if, if you can win like that in the playoffs, because in, a, in essentially a lot more tighter checking, a lot more, you know, a lot more hitting, um, a lot more physicality, a lot of wearing down players, mm-hmm. um, you know, boxing players out, keeping in, keeping sticks in those lanes, to keep out of the open ices. Those passes aren't, even though they're quick, they're not going to be there as, as readily available. If, if a team is built like the Flyers, that's a team that has a potential to go deep into the playoffs because simply of the way of how physical they would be. I'm Can it though? Because I mean, we we, we saw um, obviously they did they revamped the roster uh, this year compared to the years past. But let's take the example of the 1920 bubble when they were the number one seed, quote unquote, uh, after the round robin uh, tournament. Like they were outmatched by a team like the the Islanders that you yeah that that series went seven but you certainly felt like there was not a real chance for that team and that's why we're seeing now this revamp but you lost because of the speed and tenacity and the puck movement of an Islanders I disagree I disagree I thought I you want to go back and rewind to that I thought Carter Hart could play better in that series Mm -hmm. and also too it's more or less because that was a that series was a grinded out wear them down type of series and that's what it was. And I think both teams really – the Flyers had trouble scoring. That, that If you want to go back and look – They did, they yeah. Score. I mean, it was, it was a scoring problem. The, they couldn't they the, put the puck in the net. Yes, the but, top the top six went completely blank. And, and they the got bottom, the trap. Yeah, and the bottom team. six that was performing pretty well leading up to that season – or leading up to that that bubble uh, went quiet. And then those the, as soon as both of those things happened, you knew it was dead in the water. Correct. And I think when you look at that series, that, that those two things happening and kind of, and, and the Islanders deploying the trap, that's what led to that three, nothing game in game seven, the flash had nothing left in the tank. Yeah. They just, they right. worn down. And I, and I, and the flip side of that, and this is why the flip side to that is that the, uh, the flyers also wore down the Islanders too. Yes. They survived a game seven. They're always a coin flip, but look what happened in the next series against the Islanders and, and Tampa. They were worn down and beat up, and Tampa just skated all over them. Saw it the next year as well. So I, I'm saying, not to, not to digress and go off, what I'm saying is that the, 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 my whole point of all of that is to say the Flyers have to look at this roster. They have to look at the coaching. They look at everything and say, are we building for a faster team? Are we building for a more physical team? And, I, and they have to find either a balance of the two or one way or the other. And, and that's really what they had. They, that's we, It's not about identity. It's about how are you structuring your roster? How are you going to be coaching this team going forward? There's going to be a lot of questions with that upcoming in the next month or so. After, you know, if the Flyers go through the raw season, they have their internal meetings, how they wind up drafting. All those things are going to wind up happening. Um, it's just a matter of it. I look at this, though, and I look at the way they're playing. And I look at the talent on this team and I look at the circumstances of the injuries and, and COVID from last year and the coaching change. A lot of people are going off and saying that this is, you know, they're so far off and all this stuff. I, I don't think so. Once you get rid of the human traffic cone and Keith Yandel, oh, by the way, if you want to play guess Keith Yandel's plus minus this week, what is it this week? For the, just the week for the season. Uh, for the season. Oh, it's got to be like minus 20 at this point. Uh, no, it is minus 37. Yeah, see, so, that's a, like, it's, that, like, that's a traffic cone. But if like, you have a guy honestly, like that off your roster, you're going to improve automatically. 
You're exactly, but and, and but that goes to the and again, you can make the argument that they did this for Claude, but Claude's way different, has way more gravitas for this the, this franchise than uh freaking Keith Yandel does. Like, there's no reason to continue pl- putting um Keith Yandel in this lineup other than to stroke his ego for his Iron Man streak. Who That's why I'm play. Who else are you gonna play? It doesn't matter. You said it yourself, he's a Fucking human traffic. Well, right, but and the season's already lost. What I'm saying is that who else are you going to bring up and play? Who it doesn't are you matter. Play? You brought up Cam York. Just see whoever else is in the pipeline. Just see. They like, don't I don't have anybody else. You might not, but apparently the Phantoms are about to make the playoffs. In yeah. The do, you wanna, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to pull from that and give those guys take away that experience to play on a losing team in the National Hockey League for a it's guy who's already terrible to begin with? Yeah, it's true. That's I, what I'm like, saying. It, is that give those guys the experience in the HL and let them learn how to win. Let them learn. Like it, there was a moment I can't remember if it was the St. Louis game or uh, a game. It, it must have been before God. that because the St. Louis game was exclusively on um, ESPN Plus. Carter Hart or, or the puck was driven down that uh, behind Carter Hart. Keith Yandel goes to grab it and oh, he just falls. He <laughs> fell down. Falls. And you, you could tell by the look of of of, of Carter oh, Hart. Pivoted around and was like, what the hell just happened? Carter Hart at the ripe young age of 22 or 23, whatever he is at this point, is just like, what the hell are we doing here, man? Like, I'm so tired of this shit. Because, yes, the the Colorado game, uh, Carter Hart did not look good. But for again, I'll say it again. For years, we have demanded that this club get a good uh, goalie because that's all that they have been missing. Now they have it, and they're missing everything else I, in terms of. It's like I don't is, agree with that. Yeah, I don't I, agree with that. But it, but the team is not good right now. No, it's the, not. But the and the one good thing has been the Flyers goaltending for the most part, even yeah. with Martin Jones. I was proven. You proved me wrong. You you were one of the few guys that stood up for Martin Jones to be a guy this year in a good backup role. And now that we're here, like th- those are the two bright spots: Carter yeah. Hart and Martin Jones. And I really hope else, they resign him. I'm glad they didn't trade him. I really hope they bring him back. See, I don't know. I think I think they it, we're talking about blowing up the not blowing up the team, but I think there's a part of them that are. Going to look at uh, Fedotov, I forget, the the uh, Russian goalie. Well, they, they also play, have they have uh, what's it called? Uh, they have Felix Sandstrom down. Felix Sandstrom. Yeah. So between yeah. him and and Fedotov, uh, who played really well for Russia in the Olympics. Now, obviously, there's political uh, blockades. I think with the Fedotov uh, scenario because of what's happening in uh, Russia and Ukraine. Not to right. get into that, but that's a serious thing, and that is blocking a lot of these athletes from getting over here. Um, I think there's a chance that the backup goalie is one of these two young guys in in Sandstrom or Fedotov. So, it, yes, I, I wouldn't mind Martin Jones coming back. But now that you're trying to figure out what you have in your pipeline, I think they might be going young. Yeah, uh, it's possible. And it, it could be a numbers game, too. Like, look, Martin Jones is yeah, a sure. one-year, $2 million contract. If you're going to get a guy on an ELC, an entry-level contract, for like eight ninety five. dollars or under a million, you're going to save yep. that on your cap. And, and, I, and think I, about I it this way, too. And think about it this way, too. Look at what, uh, how we talk about all the time that most of the time when you're drafted as a goalie, you are a starter somewhere else because you're right. groomed and everything like right. that. So if you're looking at the big, big picture for this roster, Chuck Fletcher might be thinking, okay, let's get um, Sandstrom or Fedotov. 20 to 25 games, whatever it may be. Carter Hart's our guy. We we have him under contract after this year for another two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then you see where it goes and maybe you try and get another 20 like they're stockpiling they have three third round picks i think in tw- for the the deep 2023 draft right and including a tw- that first round pick in 2024 uh from florida in the claude trade like right. they're obviously I, I will give i'm i'm hesitant to what fletcher's plan is but i'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt in terms of there's a idea here that there's a lot of packages that you could put together uh, to try and jump up in that 2023 round, whether it's in the second round or in the first round, depending on how things break, like there's, it's an interesting stockpiling that's going on and you could maybe get more with a good uh, backup centerman for 20 or goalie for 20 to 25 games in Sandstrom or, or Fedotov. So it, it's an interesting play that I think that is on Chuck Fletcher's mind for sure. And I agree. I agree. I think of what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the backup goaltender when there's still three weeks to play. And that's, let's see. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, this that's is how bad this is we're at. Yeah. <laughs> that's the truth. Look, it might be a numbers game. I'm just saying it's a firm fact of not because I was right and I knew I was going to be right, you know, because <laughs> I'm the guru when it comes to that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I just think that it's a good, it's a good. I'm a big fan, just me in general, of having a veteran still backing up a young guy. Sure. Not the Tartar Hearts not ready to take the reins and have another younger guy push him a little bit, which is, I think, the angle they might go. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer in the veteran backup and coming here and more or less settle a young goaltender down. That's my big deal about it. That's um, a good point. Yeah. I, I, I look at that as saying, like, you know, like, hey, go to a guy and say, okay, well, he's not playing that great. How do you settle him down, keep him up with it? Instead of a guy trying to push someone for your job, and listen, Martin Jones is going to push for starts too. Don't get me wrong. And he's had yeah. some starts in tough games here. But I think a guy where you can calm down and say, okay, I know I'm the backup here. I know I'm the guy. And it's a young guy eager to come in. Because then you get in a situation like St. Louis is in. And, and I think that what we talk about St. Louis, I'm going to pivot to that just for a second. They have two good goaltenders. They have, they have Jordan Billington, who helped them win the cup in 2019. He's on a long contract now. And they have Billy Husso. And Billy Husso has been outplaying Jordan Billington this year which is leading to question marks in uh, St. Louis about what, what's the future here of the goaltending. Is it going to be Billy Huso? You know, is it going to be Jordan Biddington getting rounding out of his game for next season? I think having two younger guys around the same age pushing each other when you don't have that clear backup and when one on the backup starts playing better than the starter, I think not that it caused rips in the locker room per se, mm-hmm. but it causes inc- it causes inconsistencies and it causes teams where yes, your goaltender might be playing better, but then you know there might be issues that creep up back and forth in the locker room. I just I, I can, you can see that type of situation happening, and it becomes a distraction. Well, it's something. It's similar to like when you it, it, the old mantra is if you have two quarterbacks in the locker room that you think are good, you really have none. Yeah. Like it's similar to something like that, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I, and that's a, that's a great, great analogy. I mean, and you can go back and kind of see how it played out with the Flyers in the early two thousands with Check Monica sure. and Boucher, because yeah. yes, Check Monica was older age wise, but he was still relatively new in the NHL. So you had and Boucher who was faltering. Check Monica came in, and Check Monica stole the job from a guy who was young, upstart, a first round draft pick for the Flyers. So I'm just making the example of seeing that situation of. Someone coming in and 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 doing that whack caused disruptions in the team, and that's why I'm a bigger fan of right now anyway. Until Carter Hart fully established himself with a winning yes. team, having that veteran back up there to kind of still mentor him, and then at some point you say, "Hey, you know what? Carter Hart's the guy. We know he's the guy. No one's going to take his job at this point because 
You saw it happen with Carey Price and Yaroslav Halak, and Halak outplayed Price for a while there, and finally got to the point of saying, we're going to trade Halak as that value and go with Price. So that, that that's that's my point, is that you you don't want those rifts, and it, it causes issues. And yes, while you can get assets, I think it causes more risk to the team of, of just distraction. And the other thing that I've, I've in, in, along with that, like if we're talking about a team that is has a lot of question marks in terms of what their current roster is, because, yeah, I don't I, I'm not I'm not bearish on on Carter Hart. I think you have the guy, especially the way he recovered. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there are some people that maybe it's in the in the locker room. Maybe it's uh, in the front office like, OK, we saw. We've seen two really good years, good to really good years of Carter Hart and one really bad year in last year, obviously. And he's recovered and and notably recovered. But is that um, would that trigger itself back if you have a young goalie uh, pushing Carter Hart or when you know to your point, like, you know, uh, about how if. They don't want to bring a veteran back up, but they don't want to also push Carter Hart because they think it will trigger slumps again. Where do they? It is a tough nut to crack it as to figure out what you want to do. I think they have confidence in Carter Hart. I certainly do. But are they hesitant because of what happened last year? Because if last year never happens for Carter Hart specifically, uh, I think. I don't even know if Martin Jones is on this roster. I think they go to the well a little bit earlier Maybe. Uh, in terms of the young guy that they can try and prod up and, and get a draft pick for Like your point with Halak in, in Montreal, it, it's, it's not an easy because it's one of those things again, where because of how South everything has gone since the bubble, um, that it has pushed everyone's plans back like a year or two. Like in in Chuck Fletcher's mind, like where this team was supposed to be probably this year is way different from what's actually happening, obviously, because he didn't have this plan. He no. didn't plan. He certainly did not plan on firing AV at this uh, back. He didn't plan on the injuries causing that to happen. He didn't plan yeah. on any of that stuff. I, 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 I agree. I know where you're going with this. And you, I, you look at this team and say, this team is not a team that's 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 ready to rebuild, and a lot of people are going to disagree with that. And I I, I, think I don't are, blame yeah. them, and and I think the people are saying, what, "What's wrong with you?" Like what you're looking to say they're terrible. There's no future, and like I don't think the people realize they're not as far off as you think. They're having a very bad season, but what caused that? Okay, first of all, it was a coaching issue. Okay, let's be honest, it was a coaching issue. Regardless of what people believe, regardless of how good of the media he was. Vigneault was not the right coach for this team at, at that point. We've made that stuff abundantly clear by the way they were playing for a while. Okay. That's, that's one part. The other part is losing your top two centermen, losing all these guys, to injury, you don't have any consistency in your lineup. Three losing Ryan Ellis and screwing up your defensive pair at the beginning of the season. It's played four games this season. Yep. I, you know, you have to look and too. say, Every team goes through it, but not every team loses their top two centermen and their second second uh, what's called their one of their top pairing defense, but all at once. Look at Montreal. Let's let's let, Montreal is the clearest example of how quickly it can go when you lose one or two players who are core core pieces. Shea Weber, okay, injured, can't play, probably won't play in the NHL again. Okay, 
Carey Price, okay? Injury and also other things going on and personally where he had to go into the uh, and get help with the NHL. Okay, so you lost your top defenseman and you lost your goaltender. They're dead last in the league now. So that's what I'm saying is that people say, oh, yeah, a good team would be able to overcome that. Okay, they went to the Stanley Cup final last season. They are a good team. They lost Jesperi Kakinyemi to an offer sheet. They lost Shea Weber, and they lost Carey Price. And listen, when you go from game five of the Stanley Cup final to dead last in the NHL, by losing three players and not having too much turnover on your roster. It shows you how quickly things can go downhill when you don't have those core critical pieces. And I, and I think people fail to realize that nobody, everyone wants to look at the flyers and say, Oh my God, the flyers are in such bad shape. Montreal isn't headed in for a rebuild as well, but they have a bigger problem because they don't have a top defense. They don't have a goaltender. The flyers do technically have a top defenseman. Okay. Yep. Technically Ryan also come back and they might be a good pair. Shea Weber's not coming back. That's a problem for them. Carey Price, we don't know what his futures hold. He's also in his mid-30s, okay? We don't know when he's, he's missed a full year of NHL action. He's going to come back, and who knows? He might play well. He might not. Carter Hart's not that. He's 23 years old. So that's what I'm saying is that you have you can look at a team and say, you know, it might not be that great this season, but it's not Montreal. It's not a team that went to the Stanley Cup final, lost, and now has to go through a full rebuild where they've gotten rid of their general manager, they've gotten rid of their coach. The organization is going through a full rebuild after putting everything on the pieces to go in all in last year, basically, and the team did. <laughs> they don't have anymore. They just traded Ben Sherratt, their top defenseman now. Jeff Petrie's on his way out the door. So that's my point. You know, that's that's a piece where you can look at this and say, yeah, it looks bad. But they, the Flyers do have core pieces. They have Carter Hart. They do have Ivan Provorov. Travis Konechny has stepped up. They have. They I'm have glad you guys. brought him up. I, 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 Ivan Provorov, that is, because I, I think I'm starting to buy the theory that this, this notion that he hates it here now, that he's not happy with how this organization is run. Um, I don't know. I'm having a tough time. 100% buying it because if you look at his, cause look what, what's, what's great about what this, what, what's great about hockey players, especially, and maybe I'm just being looking at what's been going on in other leagues in the NBA and the NH or the uh, NFL. When a player is upset or angry within their own organization that they're playing for, they make it known publicly whether it's through an agent, whether it's through themselves, whatever it may be. What we're hearing about what Ivan Prorov is going through doesn't match, in my opinion, what we're seeing on the ice. He's clearly he's clearly frustrated. But mm-hmm. again, ever since the Claude trade, this weight, I feel, has been lifted off the shoulders of a lot of players, including Ivan Provorov, on what they're... Again, I don't want to call what Claude was a distraction, but it is a distraction in the sense that when you're playing that poorly and you have your greatest asset in your captain being shopped around knowingly, whether it was because Claude waived his no move clause at the last minute or not, you still are shopping around for him before then. So when that finally gets out of the locker room, not Claude specifically but just the fact that 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 storyline is out of there 
it lifts weights off your shoulders and say, now we can play hockey. It's not a circus anymore. It's, it's, it's finally, you can get back to what you want to do. And that's just play hockey. Mm. I think there's a part of me that is buying into bringing back Ivan Provorov because you can convince him, look, we want you and Ryan Ellis to be the top pairing and figure this out. And honestly, you might even be able to say, we're going to leave you off the pressure of you because we're so impressed with Travis Sanheim. We want Travis Sanheim as the, as the top pair, uh, as our top defenseman. Ivan Provorov is bunched down to the second pairing, less pressure on him. Now, egotistically, maybe that that's not going to fly, but there's a part of me that like you realize maybe Ivan Provo is better fit for the second pair, and you try and want to see what Sanheim looks on the top pair, whether that's again with, with Rasmussen Ristolainen because those two have looked very good together, or you just want to try and see how Sanheim would look with 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 um with, with Ryan Ellis. It, it is a it is an interesting scenario that I think is developing in the Flyers defensive blue line because I'm not buying that you're going to sell Ivan Provov, Provorov just yet this offseason. Look, and I, I, I know what you mean. And I, I would say this. I think if there's any chance Provorov gets traded, it's, it's after this offseason. Yeah, yeah, off we both agree and with I, that. And yeah. I, I think that they, he might be at his way out the door. I, I just I believe that. I look at this as that. Here's a guy who's 25 years old who's been around for. Go ahead. No, no, no. Before, before uh, you might be addressing this, but do you think that it? But do you think it's fixable, or do you think the ties are so severed that you have to get rid of him? I think it's fixable. I think a lot of what's going on with with Provorov is again, people aren't seeing. It's not like he's not working hard. It's not like he's playing poorly. He's a monster. He's still he, he, logging tons of minutes, right? He's minute eats a lot of minutes, but he loses a lot of 50, 50 battles along the wall. And that, and that's, and when that happens against good teams, you, you know, they, that that's when they move the puck on you and you're in trouble, but also let's look at it from Ivan Provorov's standpoint. When's the last time Provorov has had a consistent partner? Yeah. It, it, Matt Neskinen. And that's two yeah. seasons ago. Like, I think people undervalue how much chemistry is really needed throughout a hockey lineup. Like it's not just, Hey, this guy's really good. And this guy's really good. They should work really well together. And it doesn't click. And that happens like for them. It's really important for two things. Ryan Ellis to get healthy and see how that goes. And, or if this offseason say, you know what? He's played really well down the stretch here. We know what he's capable of is now the time to move him and flip him for something else to give him a change of scenery. But then you run the risk of, Wow, you know, everybody coming back and saying Provorov's really good now. Maybe the Flyers gave up on him a little too early. And I yep. think that people, people, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You you cannot say, you know, we want this team to get younger and better and let players develop. And then, oh, you know what? He's been here two seasons. He, you know, or a couple of years and he hasn't developed yet. You know, he sucks. Let's get rid of him. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. You can't just go and expect these players to just all of a sudden just have it click like that it takes time it takes experience like think about it when you do your job and you start a new job it takes you a while to become comfortable and get to know what you're doing and then after a while it's second nature but these are guys who are professional hockey players who are playing against the best in the world and these some of these guys are coming in as kids like they're 19 years old not only do they have to learn how to play for hockey at a professional level they need to learn how to grow up and be adults as well 
people don't take that into consideration. And I'm not sitting here trying to put a pacifier on Ivan Provorov's mouth saying, oh, yeah, calm down. You know, we understand what you're going through. <laughs> right, no, he right. needs to be toughened up. Like, dude, like, and I think that Mike Yo's comments a couple weeks ago when he was kind of going off a little bit might have might have pushed him a little bit. And I, it might have. And honestly, and honestly, I, I have a another thing that I have a tough time with and call this very stereotypical of what uh, of a of a nationality. But like, I have a hard time that Ivan Provorov is thin skinned as a Russian. Like I, I like I I can't buy into the thought that like they're asking him to do something and he goes no I'm not going to do that that's not my job or like you hurt my feelings I have a really 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 hard time thinking that Ivan Provorov is thin skinned on criticism against no him. and and that's what and I think it's what annoys me is they saying oh he's acting like a baby okay let's be honest let's, let's put one thing in respect for you he is a professional hockey player yeah okay he's very competitive. When he's pulled off, he's pissed off that he's been because he wants to be there. Like yeah. that's you. It, it, I find it frustrating that people don't see it from that perspective. I get it. I, look, and I you're get ta- it. you're talking it, about the story. You're talking about the story that he was allegedly uh, asked to be removed from power play one, and he said, yeah. "No, I'm not being removed." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's look, you want a guy to say that? Would say, "Yeah, you know what? You're right. Go ahead. Yep. I'm not playing." Well, you want to go like, "No, don't take me off. I know I'm better. I can do this." You want him to light a fire under his ass? Yep. Like a lot of this is trying to light a fire under this team dance because they know they're not playing well and they can't. You have to learn sometimes. Like, and yes, losing takes its toll on you. When you lose a lot, it does take its toll on you. But you got to sometimes light a fire in a player's ass and be like, yo, dude, like we're counting on you. We're counting on you. And I think that the conversations after Claude Giroux that they, they apparently from they had internally is that they talked to TK, they talked to Ivan Provo about taking more leadership roles. And I think you've seen that. I think you've seen TK step up. I think you've seen Provo step up is that they're the, the, the team is counting on these guys to be those leaders. And that alone can light a fire under your ass. So people have to just kind of calm down a little bit. Okay. Just, just calm down. What every domino fell down. This is so reminiscent to 06, 07. It's not even funny, yep. but again, people thought 06, 07, like, Oh my God, they got to do the full rebuild. They went to the conference final the following year. They retooled like this team. They've already gone through the rebuild. The last decade has been the rebuild. Yes. Their farm system might've been depleted at this point. They might not have enough down there as of yet, but they're getting there. But I think this team has enough pieces where it's at now to kind of retool a couple things. And you hope you don't go through the injury bug again, because that'll screw you over. Yep. And I don't think this team is that far off. Now, with that being said, if they could get a top defenseman alone or a package for a guy like Pro Rob, you make that deal. The question is who's available and who's out there. And obviously is that they the, the big question they need to think internally is, do we want to go through another year with Ivan Prov Rob and see how Ryan Ellis works out? Because Ivan Prov obviously has not stepped up to that top level defenseman where he's just a one a one on his own. He needs to be a pair, which is fine. That sometimes guys are like that. Look at Seth Jones; he's playing horrible. He's not played well yeah. at all in Chicago this year. Where everybody's like, "Go get Seth Jones; he'd be amazing." He's not playing that well. But or do you want to say, okay? Let's flip this guy for an asset. Let's go get, see if we can get a top defensive or top forward for this and then figure out what we're going to do from there. That's the question when it comes to Ivan Pro. It's not because he's not talented enough. It's that how do they get, how do they want to structure the team going forward? And if that's the reason why they move on from that's what, that's what it would be. Final question that I wanted to address for today. So obviously there's no captain 
uh, on this team right now. The captain has been he's lighting it up in Florida. I don't know if you've been he has like four assists on his two games uh, yeah, for Florida sure. and Claude. Yeah. And oh, my God, him and him and amazing. Sasha I'm, Barkov are so I, good. To fucking I'm watch. very I'm very happy. Very, very happy for for Claude. Yep. Um, Cam Atkinson was immediately given the third A when you don't have a captain on your team. You give mm-hmm. a third A to your roster. So it's Ivan Provorov. Uh, Kevin Hayes and uh, Cam Atkinson. Is there a captain named this offseason, Scott, or is this one of those weird situations where, because again, you're trying to figure out what you have in your roster in terms of movement, play, players moved, uh, players uh, leaving. Is there a captain for 2022, 2023, or are they going to go in this season with the, with three A's and just kind of let the chips where fall where they may, as they say? I think it could be a coin flip, and here's why. I, I th- Again, it's so weird how history repeats itself. You know, we, the Flyers went kind of through the same thing in 06-07. Peter Forsberg was the captain. They traded him. Sure. They had a guys a couple a couple A's on their sweaters for the rest of the season. The honest season, they go and acquire a guy like Jason Smith. And Jason Smith was a defenseman who played here one season, but he was named captain right away. And it was called part of the rebuild, the retool, the re, the re that, you know, this is a different team. It's a, they brought a guy from the outside and saying, we're putting the C on your chest because you're the guy who can lead this team. And it, I'm not saying that they don't have anybody internally because they could still go internally. Guys like Lawton, um, I think Farabee's probably a little young, but he has Farabee's potential. Young, yeah. yeah, a guy like Kevin Hayes, Cam Atkinson, Ivan Provorov, probably not him. Um, guys like that could probably be those guys they go and if they go internally but they also i think i just can see a guy if they acquire in the offseason say hey you know what like this is a guy we want to do a re kind of brand the face of the franchise it's no longer forsberg it's 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 now jason smith what about like, what jason smith coming into being captain i you could probably see a situation like that if you bring in a listen if you get a haul from a fryman program and you bring in a top guy like a like a defenseman a rock like that it's very possible that could be the case yeah yeah, I, I, I'm curious, like, do you look at a guy like Ryan Ellis, maybe? Because no. It, it, no. Okay. No, no, I no, not but all due <laughs> that, respect, right, not after that, not after the season. No, no, yeah. because you, your cat, you if you don't have your captain on the ice and again, it's symbolic. Don't get me wrong. It's sure. Yeah, yeah, symbolic. Yeah. But you need a guy to be on the ice in that thing healthy for the most part. Yeah. I mean, look and what I, happened I, when Ivan Provorov went down. Or yeah. excuse me, sorry. When Chris Pronger went down, right, right. It kind of you know the team kind of rallied and they and they pushed a little bit, but there was a big hole there. Yeah. And then Claude was named captain year after. I think with this is that you really have to kind. Of, it, it really the captaincy I think is so far low on the list right now. It is. Yeah. But I, if I'm looking in perspective, I'm saying okay, really is going to depend on what kind of moves you make here in the offseason because. If you bring in a guy off the street and you slap the C on the sweater, you saw immediately the effect that it had on the Flyers in 07 away. And the reason why I bring that, I'm not trying to be revisionist history and say, God, this guy brings up 10 years ago, so long ago. But we, it's it's not often we have a captain for 10 years in this in this town. It's not often at yeah. all. And it's before that, rare. it was it was Claw, it was it was Pronger, and then it was Richards, and Richards was captain for a long time, and you went internally. But before Mike Richards was captain, you remember Jason Smith was captain, and it's because he was a he was a rugged guy, played with two separated shoulders in uh in the playoffs that year. He's a guy who's in the book of the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, with the flyer story, where he's got the eyeballs bloody, blood on a sweater, blood, you know, and all the beat up. 
you, you need that warrior, that lead by example type guy who's willing to do all that stuff. And they didn't bring him back for the 0809 season and it affected him a bit. And they had to go ahead and get Matt Carl to kind of offset his loss. But I believe that bringing a guy off the street or from another organization, if he has that leadership quality and you slap the seal in his sweater, it's a good way to transition. It's a good way to look at this. Cause I was, I mean, I was very surprised when they did that years ago, but I'm like, I like that move because it's bringing down the answer. Hey, listen, this is the direction we're going on. It's different. It's not a guy from who's here before through all that mess last year. It's different. It's a different guy. It's a different team. It's a different face. And I think you might get a lot of buy-in from the, fans on that because yes while on the ice it's symbolic it's one of the guys you can talk to the referees yep for for fans the captain is a big deal and it, it captain shows a face of your franchise and if you bring a guy off the street and you build it around that and it, you, it's showing the fans already we're thinking differently we're thinking outside the box we're, but really ultimately it's up to the players or for the most part for most teams that kind of vote for the captain a little bit yep um you know, it depends. So it's like the vote I, for the Pope. Yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I believe anyway, would be the best move for the Flyers. So wait to see what happens in the offseason. Don't name anything. Now you name it before the beginning of next season, because if you don't make a big move, then yeah, you have to go internally. And I think it might yep. be a guy like Kevin Hayes because of the, you know, the way he is. And I think people would rally around that, but kind of wait and see, but I, I would be very happy if they brought someone from the outside and put the C on the square, because it just shows everybody that it's different it's not the same team it's different and i I think the flyers at this point need that buy-in from its fans because right now people aren't buying it i don't blame them because they suck right now but i think there's more here to the picture that people are really looking at and i think it's important for people to realize this team is not as far off people believe they are and i I agree with you i i think i i think the the how kevin hayes has looked since he finally got healthy after finally discovering that it was a blood infection that the team, apparently, according to a report, I think it was Sam, uh, they didn't even consider doing to look into his blood. Uh, it's it's mind boggling. That's for yeah. sure on, on yeah. how this is going. Um, what do you think? Do you agree with us? Do you think that there should be a captain for the next season uh, from the outside or maybe they're already on the roster? Shoot us an email at orangebackcheck at gmail.com. Uh, give us a follow. Tweet at us at O Backcheck on Twitter, uh, Orange Backcheck Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. Uh, I, I, it's almost over, folks. Like, that's it, – it's a slog. It's, it's finally – we got to the – we we now that we're past the point that we needed or, or knew was coming in the trade of Claude Giroux, now it's like, okay, when's the season over? How are we, how are we addressing this in the draft and the trade debt market? And the free agency market. So that's really all we have looking forward to. And and I do agree with you. I don't think we're as far off uh, as we think. But but Fletcher has to hit on just about every single move he makes this year from the draft and free agency. And that's a lot to ask, I think, uh, from a uh, from a general manager. But we'll see. Uh, and we could talk about that next week with uh, about yeah. Chuck Fletcher itself because. There's also a lot of blame going with Chuck Fletcher that I I think is completely not correct, improper and unfair. Interesting. It's not fair, correct, but I don't think that the criticism of him is fair at all. All right, we'll talk. Well, that that will be next week's episode. Blame on on uh, Chuck Fletcher, fair or not? Uh, Shoot us an email at Orange Backcheck, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff in the bio below. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week, and finally, 
rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins, one of my favorite drummers of all time. Foo Fighters uh, found, uh, I mean, just way too young, way too young at the age of 50. It sucks. Uh, So thank you for all what you've done, Taylor. And we'll talk to you guys next week.